you have made it to episode 8 of the Honey Badger Diaries. I hope everyone's healthy, safe. I am doing fine. I'm uh, at home. I've, you know, have been at home for the past weeks. Um, I get out maybe, uh, well, I get out every day to play a little bit of football on my own. And maybe once every four days or so I go to the grocery store and that's, that's basically my life right now. Um, we are still allowed to go out in the Netherlands. Uh, the weather is getting nice, so I see a lot of people jogging, cycling. A lot of people are out and about, but most things are closed. Schools are closed. A lot of people work from home. Um, some stores are still open. You're not allowed to be outside in large groups. Well, you're not allowed to be outside in any groups, really, more than two, unless you're a family. So that's the status right here in the Netherlands in Utrecht. Um, my guest for this op episode is also Dutch. His name is Kenrik Drekoningen, but he lives in Singapore and he's been living there for the past 10 years. He's um, the co-founder starting, uh, how do I call this? I'll just call it co-founder. He's the co-founder of a crypto venture capital fund called Lunax. Um, the Bitcoiners listening might know Blue Wallet. That's one of the companies they've uh, invested in. Uh, and so, yeah, it's uh, it's based in Singapore. Singapore is, of course, for those who don't know, it's one of the countries, one of the Asian countries that seems to be dealing with the coronavirus fairly well. Uh, kind of like, uh, you know, Hong Kong, Taiwan. Um, I've had people from Hong Kong and Taiwan on, so now Singapore. Um, I don't know Kenrick, I've never met him, but he responded to my tweet, or he responded to one of my tweets, and I wanted to have someone from Singapore on, uh, so I'm happy Kenrick came on, uh, and since he's Dutch, that, that sort of made it a little bit extra interesting, at least for me, kind of compare the Singaporean response to the Dutch response, so that's that's something we, uh, we chatted about. Um, that's all you need to know. The interview will start after my intro tune like always these are the honey badger diaries the honey badger diaries hey kenrick hey aaron how are you i'm doing well oh yeah we're switching to english again we're both dutch that's always <laughs> a little bit awkward the first minutes but um thanks for being on the show you're welcome you're welcome uh, pleasure to speak to you so you are dutch but you are in singapore Yep, correct. Been here yeah. for about uh, 10 years or so. Right. So um, uh, we, we don't know each other. We've never met, at least. Or I don't think we have, have we? No, I don't think so, no. No, we've never met. Um, but you responded to one of my tweets. Um, because you're in Singapore, and I think Singapore is probably one of the most interesting countries in the world when it comes to Corona, so I'm very happy you're on. Now, what I've been doing uh, for the past couple of episodes, or for all episodes so far, I speak with Bitcoiners from, the, from the, around the world. They give me their perspective of what's happening in their country with the Corona crisis. Um, so let's start with that. I'm very interested to hear what's been going on in Singapore for the past two months or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll give you a brief like overview of since when it first started. So basically, um, I think it was late January, like middle to late January, when we got the first reports out of out of China and then subsequently Korea about this this new virus thing. 
um, I think the first measures that Singapore took at the time was to ban specific flights, like first from, from China and then later they, they banned flights uh, from Korea. Did this happen uh, right away, in, even in January? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the exact time, but yeah, it was pretty quick after, um, after the, the first case. Or basically when, when you saw these like, makeshift hospitals being built on, on TV, I don't know if you remember that clip mm-hmm. with like, the, the diggers, uh, basically then it was already in, into effect. Um, so they were very targeted in the beginning and like banning those flights from those specific, uh, specific countries. Um, and even so, um, if you had flights from other areas of China or, uh, uh, people would at the airport, they would, uh, check for temperatures. And, um, if you had an elevated temperature, you had a fever, like they would immediately kind of isolate and, and test you. Um, so there were a few cases at the time. What they did then is basically like very, very meticulous about the track and trace. So every single uh, case would have to give a detailed account of like, what have they done? Where have they been? Who have they been in contact with? And they would trace all of those people like, un- like up until like your Uber driver, basically. So if you had been in a specific car, they would get the details of that. They would inform the driver before, uh, like the driver after you. Uh, they would inform the driver and they would find like all these people and they would give them specific stay home notices. And that's like a 14 day, um, you got to stay at home. And if you don't comply, you actually, uh, there were quite severe penalties for that. I've, I've read about a guy who lost his, uh, his residency here because he didn't comply with, with the stay home notice. So it was pretty, um, pretty, pretty tough, but life kind of went on as, as normal. Otherwise, like everything was open. Um, Everybody was aware, so you saw people wearing masks on the train, on the subway, um, just in public. Some people were wearing masks, but not not everybody. Um, there was general awareness of like what was happening, and um, at the time, I actually uh, I ordered some masks online myself. I actually ordered at the time, at the end of January, some masks for for my parents who still live in live in Holland. Those were still widely available at, at the time. Um, and schools and everything was open for, for business in, in Singapore. They just, they lowered some things like they lowered, uh, larger gatherings. Uh, they had some distancing measures in school. And interestingly, I, I actually had a doctor visit like somewhere middle of February here because I had a persistent cough. Um, but none of the other kind of Corona, um, symptoms. Um, so I went to I went to the doctor and like I explained what I had and he's like yeah yeah no, 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 I'm pretty sure that that's not Corona and he he told me at the time like what would happen if it was Corona he's like oh yeah if I suspected you were a Corona case what we do is uh, we immediately isolate you here in this GP office uh, an ambulance will come you'll be escorted into the ambulance you'll go into the quarantine kind of center uh, where they will test you. Uh, and then like a few hours, I think it's like a three hour test, three hours or so later, you'll hear the result. And if you're, uh, if you don't have it, then you're free to go. And if you, if you do have it, then they'll keep you there in, in isolation and, uh, basically like a, like in hospital. Right. So, so these are special yeah. quarantine centers they have in Singapore. Yeah. Um, I can send you a, a link later. A friend of mine, he actually, he went through this whole process and he, he posted his account on, on Facebook. Maybe you can put that in, in the show notes for people to read. Um, sure. 
very detailed account of like what exactly happens when when you go there but yeah it's super strict super organized in terms of like they'll they'll figure out if you have it and if you have it you'll be isolated that's kind of the the way that it goes yeah i've read that um um, the singapore policy was inspired by um nasim taleb they they helped formulate that policy do you know about this I, i have not heard about that no I think back in 2010, he he and uh, some members of that group that are now also very vocal on Twitter. That I think they helped the Singapore government prepare for a, for an outbreak back in okay. years ago. Yeah, they they obviously have a lot of experience with SARS, right? Um, when in that Singapore. happened here, yeah. So they they had a practice run. So I'd say they were very well prepared. Like every so every citizen in Singapore, everybody was given like face masks. I went uh, last week uh, to our local community center here to pick up like free uh, hand sanitizer. So they had a system of like, okay, these people go on this day between these hours. You go there, you get free half a liter of of hand sanitizer. Uh, So everybody got that. So everybody's aware and everybody's really, really careful, I I would say. And you mentioned Um, that someone lost their residency paper. So would that happen to you if if you'd had to go into quarantine and you'd go out you'd, you'd have to leave the country basically yeah pretty much like if um if if i were to be given a, a stay home notice for for 14 days you'll have to stick to it and they they check in on you either well like randomly like um they'll uh, they'll come and and check if whether you're home or I've, I've also seen um that there's some kind of app in which they kind of make sure that you that you stay home but i have i don't have any personal experience there but um, yeah, there, there was one person who broke his stay home notice and he, he showed up at the airport for whatever reason. And they were like, yeah, sorry, man, like uh, you, you got to go. Um, he, w- he was working here and he's not, he's never allowed to come back into Singapore. So, yeah. Um, you also mentioned um, contact tracing. Is, how does this work in Singapore? Is it true that they're using stuff like GPS tracking? Uh, why use of facial recognition cameras, these kinds of things? Uh, I, I don't think they're using facial recognition. Um, I think it's been mostly good old kind of detective work and just speaking to these people who've been quarantined and finding those connections. Um, they have just released an, an app which is called Trace Together. Uh, they've actually open sourced it, so it's available for for anybody to to use basically i don't i don't know exactly how it works but it basically uses low battery bluetooth to kind of constantly check your environment and um it's a bit of a privacy concern perhaps but it, it, it appears they might have even addressed that by like the data that the app collects is only stored locally on the phone and only if they kind of have a case that they kind of connect to your phone somehow like they'll actually call you to to pull that data but I, I don't know the fine details of it but um i think they had like half a million or like a million downloads of of this app in, in a country of like five or six million people right so a lot of people are actually using it to uh, to help with the tracing but singapore is not a very free country though is it is it, is it a dic- dictatorship um, no, I, I wouldn't say that. Um, I mean, I, I have to be careful with kind of specific things that, that I say, but I, I really don't think that is the case there. Um, it, it, 
there there are actually uh, elections. Um, yes, it's very hard for the opposition, but um, theoretically, it's it's possible for another party to become much larger or, or be bigger. But um, I think most people have recognized here that the government, like the government, has been doing a pretty damn good job for for a very long time, and they haven't really seen the need to uh, to get anybody else uh, in there. Uh, obviously, it's different from a, like a liberal Western democracy, um, but that has different trade-offs, right? So this is one of these these trade-offs um, where you have much better control of these kind of things. But uh, yeah, it comes at the expense of other things, of course. Um, let me rephrase the question, or it was well. Let me just ask a new question. Do you think um, steps to prevent an outbreak like social distancing, like um, wearing, ma wearing a mask, these kinds of measures, do people take them because they have to, because the government says they have to and they'll be punished if they don't? Or is it a cultural thing where people do it voluntarily? Or is it a mixture of both? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's primarily a cultural thing where people are just really aware of it because you, you already saw this happening before there were even any measures, right? So when the first cases were, were happening in Korea and China, you already saw people wearing masks on the train. Um, it, I think it's way more a cultural thing than, than anything else. People are just aware of it. And I think it's also the experience that they had. I forgot the exact year that SARS was here, but I think that experience most people would still remember. Um, so when this happens again, they're like, okay, we know what to do. We, we need to wear a mask. Uh, and we just need to be careful kind of socially how we how we behave well, I think yeah. are, are there any what are the travel restrictions right now is anyone free to uh, enter Singapore and leave uh, so not anymore so it's been open since late January until kind of so that progressively they stepped it up so initially they started with like banning the flights out of out of China and Korea and then uh, Italy was added to that list and then I think Germany France were added to that list um, and after that, basically, they saw more and more imported cases here. So that made it harder and harder kind of for, for them to track what exactly was happening. So now basically all visitors are banned. So, um, if you're, if you don't work here or you don't have a residency pass or a long-term pass, you're not allowed to enter. Uh, that's only since, uh, since a few days that they've implemented that, um, and I'm, I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm allowed to exit and, but I think I need to kind of request uh, or put in uh, a request with the government, I guess, to why I'm doing that and what's the reason for, for my travel. It's kind of very much discouraged to, to do that. Yeah. And in general, how would you describe the situation right now? Do people work from home? Do they still go to the office or bars still open restaurants? Uh, bars, restaurants have just closed yesterday, and that's the first time actually that they closed since this whole thing thing began. They, as of today, I think they've implemented these social distancing measures where you have to stay one meter. I think it's here from each other, and like in restaurants and food courts, they've like uh, they tape these big these big red X's like on tables. Like this table you cannot sit, this table you can sit. So it's kind of to to make it easier for people to see where. How to how to have this social distance? Um, 
So now it's becoming a bit more in terms of work from home, but most things are still operating. Um, as I said, like the past two months, it was kind of life as, as normal. Things were open. Uh, yes, yeah, some more people were working from home. Like our office started working from home more and more. Um, but things were still open. As of t today, basically, there's more and more things that are closed. And um, even if you want to enter like the shopping mall now, there's like a queue just to get in with like a one meter distance between everybody. So you, you have to wait in line a bit more for to get your groceries and things like that. Yeah, and I think the result of, of all of this, so the travel restrictions, um, the the masks, not the social distancing, now the, these closures, they have been pretty good in Singapore, or in fact, they've been very good, right? There's not a lot of cases, there's not a lot of hospitalizations, all of that. Uh, I'd say, yeah, for considering that, that it's been going on here for like close to two months now, I think it, they have it pretty pretty tight grip on it. Like they're still able to track most of the cases, uh, not all of them. And I think that's why they imposed these tighter restrictions just like yesterday, um, because there were more cases that they weren't be, that they couldn't track. And a lot of them were these imported, imported cases, but in general, yeah. I mean, if you see how quickly this spreads in, in other places, you'd, you'd have to say they have a, have done a really good job in terms of uh, controlling it, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's a combination of the of the government kind of having these measures, but also kind of the population being so aware of of what's happening and just being super cautious and, and careful. Yeah, what about the economy? Is that is that still buzzing, or because we've obviously seen the huge volatility in the West? What is that like in a country like Singapore? Yeah, I think the economy is taking a big, big hit. Like Singapore is, a, is like a really open economy, right? It's very much dependent on trade and like international relationships and people coming here and conferences and things like that. So the economy is taking a huge hit. But they've just announced like a massive stimulus package here. Um, I forgot the total amount, but I think per capita it came out to something much, much higher than in the US uh, even. And, and the interesting part is they're actually able to finance that from their from their reserves. So um, there's no government debt. They kind of save that for a rainy day, and now they're using kind of that bazooka to to spend. So they're supporting uh, industries that are really uh, uh, hit hard, like travel, tourism, uh, restaurants. Um, so yeah, the economy is going to take a big hit. But like Singapore is so like it's so adaptive. I would say that once this goes away and hopefully that's not too long from now that should pick up pretty pretty quickly again interesting now you're originally from the netherlands like me yeah. um so i think you already already mentioned your family in the netherlands uh you bought masks for them i think you said so you've you've probably kept an eye on the situation in the netherlands how do you what's your Thoughts on that? If you compare it to Singapore, it's probably the the most. It's been it's been so frustrating. Like I've been watching it since the end, basically since the end of January, and it's been like so extremely frustrating to to watch it. And it's just like, oh my god! Like I, I don't I don't even know where to start. Like let's let's just say uh, the the RIVM right, so the Dutch health authorities. They yeah, the are Dutch, so the Dutch yeah. CDC basically. Yeah, they they are so clueless. Like just. <laughs> end of January they, they were still talking and like you can find all of this on, on Twitter still right like they were saying yeah it's very unlikely that this virus will ever hit 
the Netherlands or, or Europe. Like it's possible, but it's very unlikely. Um, and I was like, you, you just need to hire an intern to basically do a little bit of online research to see how infectious this thing is. And it is your job to kind of protect or pre at least prepare the country, right, for an eventuality like this. Like, otherwise, what are you there for? So prepare the country in case this happens. Like, even if you think the likelihood is small, you still have to prepare for it. This is like, this is the one job you have. Anyway, they didn't do that. And then um, I, I don't know. And I, I like, I, I was talking to some of my friends about it and I was trying to warn them. And like, there was just such an attitude of like, yeah, there's nothing happening here. Like, and like, look at the stats, right? Like, look how fast this thing is spreading. Like, look how fast it's spread in China. It's happening in Korea now. Now it's arriving in Italy. Like, it's just mass. Like, I don't know if it's people can't think exponentially or they, they've never seen anything like this or I, I don't know what it is. But um, the, the KLM, the Dutch airline, they continue to fly to, to China. I vividly remember uh, them saying at some point, yeah, we, we've given them out... Um, uh, we've given masks to our uh, our stewards and, and stewardesses, uh, but it's on a voluntary basis. So if, if they want to wear it, they can, but they don't have to. I'm like, what are you talking about, right? Like this, like this thing is so infectious, and you're continuing to fly to China, on like, and you make this thing voluntary. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're just importing these things. Um, and then like this 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 case of like this student group that was allowed to go to for a skiing holiday in Italy. While the virus was raging there, I'm like, how is it possible? Like, just the the attitude of like, I, I don't know. Like, they they couldn't think like two days ahead. Basically, the, the yes. least they could, yeah, the least they could have done is like prepare by ordering enough masks, ordering enough uh, ventilators, uh, coming up with different scenarios, right? Like making sure that the health um, that the hospitals are prepared, testing why is nobody testing in Europe or at least in the Netherlands? I, I don't know. And like, yeah, I hope you know the answer there, but I think well, it's just, yeah. Yeah. Well, so the answer they give is there aren't enough tests, but that's not really an answer if you ask me, because then the obvious next question is why aren't there enough tests? Isn't that yeah. be your job to make sure there are enough tests? If there are enough tests in other countries, then surely it's possible to have enough tests exactly so, yes there aren't enough so you know that's that's not answering the question just just restating the problem exactly so yeah and there's the well i don't want to make this a rant on the dutch policy but <laughs> the whole the, but, yeah it's, it's like it's, this official web page with information and it's just full of just wrong information and that's what yeah. the, that seems to inform their policy like there's assuming there's no asymptomatic spread I, I'm gonna stop exactly, that yeah. right now, but it's it's. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, they, they claim there was no asymptomatic threat. Uh, they keep telling people that masks don't help. Well, obviously they do help. Like these things, it spreads through the air by droplets if you breathe it in. If you have a mask, the chance of breathing it in is lower. Right? It's as simple as that. Um, but they still claim that it doesn't help. Like all these these things are just like mind-boggling. But I, I, you see, you kind of see the same thing across Europe, but especially in the Netherlands and. Even in the U.S., right, you, you saw this happening. I, I don't know what it is. It seems to me a kind of like an, a complacency or an institutionalization of, of government, which has just been growing and growing and becoming more complacent as kind of the good years go by. 
right? Like you, you get these, these people that sit on specific posts that have a specific role and they, they execute that role within the confinements of what they know or what they have seen in the past. And thinking outside of the box is completely impossible. Um, so I think it's something like that, but it, it, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that, that has been my impression as well. If you, if you have a job where there hasn't been a problem for 30 years, then you probably yeah. don't know how to deal with the problem. How do people in Singapore think about... The, so you're Dutch, so you're taking notice, of course, but this is an issue in Singapore as well. Like, do people look at the West or Europe or United States or Netherlands and just wonder what the hell is going on there or not really? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Like that's like that's how it's in the news right now, right? Like they basically closed the borders because they were importing all these cases from from Europe and uh, and the US. Um, I, I do think it has a, a lot more ramifications kind of down the line in in terms of how China is trying to kind of manifest itself now in terms of like taking kind of a leadership type of role in fighting the virus and. I think they're trying to gain a lot of soft power with that and kind of the in this specific case with this specific like pandemic it really shows kind of the, the weakness or the incompetency of western style governments there are many many good parts about western style governments but in this particular case it just really shows a, a, a like a clear weakness right like they're not able to handle something like this um, and I think countries like China are trying to capitalize on on that by spinning up their their PR machine. So um, yeah, I think that will be a larger fallout in terms of perception in, from people over here. Um, they're like, yeah, why would we want to have this specific style of governance if they can't even handle a, a crisis like this, right? So yeah, it's not it's not great, but um, hopefully it will. Um, it will it will kind of go away and not be too deadly uh, over the next few months. But yeah, we'll have to see. Do you think this style of governance that we're seeing across Asia, so Singapore is one example, but I think we're seeing similar policies in Hong Kong, in um, Taiwan, uh, and also a cultural change. Do you think that could happen in the West? Do you see that happen in the West? Um. I think it will only like things only change in the West. I think out of out of necessity. So, in this case, for uh, for pandemic preparedness and medical facilities, maybe maybe yes. Um, I think that will that will change. Um, although it's deeply cultural as well. Like I, I read this story about a, a guy who was, who was working at the supermarket in in Holland, and he was sent home because he he showed up to work wearing a mask and i'm like what like this guy was doing the right thing and then the manager sends him home for doing the right thing it's just crazy right uh, so i think those types of attitudes should change um and and hopefully a bit more kind of accountability on on the part of like these specific branches of government because obviously they're failing here like how can you um how can you incentivize this to do better? So I think necessity will, will create these, these changes in, in particular areas. Um, but yeah, that will take, take some time. Yeah. What do you, uh, what's your outlook for Singapore? Sorry. What's your outlook for Singapore in the next weeks, months? Do you think that it's the plan to sort of 
eradicate the virus from the country and will it stick with that or do you know? i think that i i don't know but i i guess they will they will stay kind of uh, close as much as possible until like the big peaks and waves are, have gone in in the rest of the of the world like it's impossible to get this virus completely eradicated at this point right like i just don't think that's possible but they, they've definitely kind of flattened the curve here um, in terms of that there's sufficient hospital capacity for for anybody who who falls ill so i think they'll just um i think that's what they're doing i think they're adjusting the measures according to much to how much capacity they have here um and over time that will i think determine what the measures will be but yeah how long that will take i i, I don't know yet but i think it will re, it will 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 we'll have a number of these rules for at least like the next two months i think right do you think there's going to be any sort of role for bitcoin in all of this i i, I sure hope so um uh, i i think one it, it's hard to quantify or it's hard to like i i see it that way but like i don't know how the general population would would see it it's like you would and that's actually a very interesting one. Like I, I, I saw, you would think that in a situation like this, people would lose trust in their government, right? And, or lose trust in the institutions that they're supposed to, to look after. And that you would think that would be the case. But then there was a survey in the UK where apparently the majority was very supportive of the policies of the government. Well, you could definitely argue that in the UK, they haven't done the best job either. So I, I don't know what it is. I think it's a kind of a psychological, maybe first response. It's like you saw that in Holland as well, where the, the opposition parties were very supportive of the government policies. Nobody dared to ask kind of critical questions. Um, it's kind of the shock initial response. It's like, yeah, we're all in this together. But I think like down the line, you'll probably get some more critical notes and critical voices and people reasonably expecting you would think they would lose trust in, in institutions. And um, I think it could speed up kind of the, it's indirect, but it could kind of speed up the, the story of to why Bitcoin is important and why people should, should look at it. Uh, in addition to that, I think like we have this pandemic right now, but um, this could very well spill over into a, a much bigger financial crisis because we were, we were kind of due for, a big downturn anyways. Um, this was just the pin that popped that, that bubble that sped everything a little bit up. But um, I mean, if the, if the credit markets freeze up, right, there's so much corporate debt uh, out there. There's so many junk bonds out there. There could be much larger kind of financial implications. So that could cascade a little bit further. Um, but uh, we, we still don't know. And that could then speed up Bitcoin a lot more, right? If you see major defaults happening, if you see banks going under, uh, if you see more, more money printer goes uh, situation happening, that will definitely strengthen it. But I think that will be a result then from the pandemic that kind of sped up the inevitable anyways. So, um, yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah, I, I agree. I also uh, I also noticed this, uh, this tendency of both people and even opposition parties to sort of embrace the government's strategy or in, increase their trust in that. And like you said, not even the opposition parties were asking critical questions, which was a 
strange to see it to me, but I think in the longer term, once people start to think about it a bit more, that, that might change. Yeah, I think because we've been looking at it for a longer time, I think we're just a little bit ahead in terms of our thinking and what, what we've seen. So you kind of see people catching up to that. Um, I just wish they would catch up a little bit quicker. That would be nice. Kendrick, I thought this was very interesting. Uh, so thank you for your time. And thank uh, you, yeah, thanks for being on.